Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake BJ Shea is on assignment. And running the boards is Joey Dees. Hi. Hello. On today's show, we will give our first impressions on Stranger Things. No spoilers. Vicky will be stoked about a certain pirate show that is mm. coming back. We might get to that more, but of course we will get to the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. We're going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. 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 Or just search BJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, on the Odyssey app. Odyssey app to find us. Yes. Plenty of ways to get a hold of us, and if you want to, send us an email, bjgeeknation at gmail.com. You can ask your questions, give us your reviews. Always happy to uh, get some information and some know-how and some knowledge from our Geek Nationals. Love all that stuff. Now, let's get right into this. Uh, we will not be spoiling the... Uh, uh, spoiling? Yes, that's a word. Um, Stranger Things, because Volume 1 has dropped, and they dropped all seven episodes immediately. Um First off, congratulations if you could have binged the entire thing. Uh, I did not. As of this recording, I've only watched the first episode. Um, and it was just that first, each episode is at, l well, all of them are over an hour. Some of them are almost pushing an hour and a half long. Each of these are almost their own mini movies when it comes down to it. And the first one covered covered so much stuff bringing back you know the kids and finding out where everyone is and seeing you know where everything is going and it showed the big bad which we know as Vecna and well at least everyone you know it's the same thing as like when they were talking about the mind flayer or any of these different characters they're not necessarily the D&D &D creature but just like in the the very 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 beginning they set it up by everyone playing a D&D &D game and introducing the big bad through that gameplay, which I've always thought was brilliant. Oh, they've done a great job. I love the fact that these don't have a designated length, that they just tell a complete story, and they get to a part where they know they're going to break it off. Yeah. It's so refreshing because I've watched so many cable television <laughs> streaming services that you can tell were cut for TV, yeah. mm -hmm. and they just have weird cuts where commercials are supposed to be, <laughs> and they're not there, and it's just like, ah. The Duffer Bros know what they're doing, and Netflix is letting them do it. Like, that's the cool part about it, because when you get down to all of this and how it's going, Netflix is having, you know, their issues, and they're kind of going to be pulling back on some passion projects, but they know what people want with shows like Stranger Things, and they're letting the people who have creative control go through this story, and they're going to see it through. So we've got the first seven is uh, issues, first seven episodes of this as volume one, and then, what, like next month, I think they're going to have the next two episodes, which are basically going to each be two and a half hour long movies to kind of wrap up this season. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the writing is so good. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say it's the best story of all time, because Stranger Things has kind of done that. We do the same story. We just tell it over, you know, a different kind of like a D&D &D campaign, essentially, which yep. is kind yep. of why it's funny that they do that whole thing in the beginning where they're mm -hmm. like, oh, it's this D&D &D campaign. It's a different monster. But the writing is so good. I call it the breadcrumb thing. Good writing drops breadcrumbs that they can go back to that tie characters together and advance the story. It's very difficult. Don't get me wrong. But, like, you know, I've watched a lot of shows. They don't do it well. But this show <laughs> always does it so well. And they do it with child actors. Yeah. Now, they're a little older now. But 
that I mean, you don't get that very often, you know? And one of the things that I really, really do love about this show is, like, you're talking about the breadcrumb things, but also... Like, other than, like, what was it, like, Joyce in season one that got killed, and then in season two they, like, forgot about it. Like, what are going on with this sort of thing? Um, They really now are leaning into these kids having their different uh, uh, interactions or they're dealing with what has happened to them in different ways, but it's consistent with what the characters would have been, and you kind of see where things are going, and even as you're watching this, you kind of realize, oh, I see where this is going to be going, and I'm really I'm really there for it when it comes down to a lot of it. Now, having said that, I've only seen episode one. It's really going to be revolving around, and they set this up again, is this is obviously revolving around the kids dealing with someone named, you know, some sort of other upside down worldly creature um, who is known as Vecna because that is the uh, uh, the D and D lich of uh, uh, infamy in uh, in the lore lore with uh, with the game and what we're seeing now also at that with this is just that the fact that they've got to they're tying everything together yeah and it's uh, it's the genre right like we're this is before cell phones and stuff so yeah. there's so much more believability of what's going on and the travel the traversing of information. But the fact that, spoiler alert if you haven't seen season three, yeah. Elle loses her powers, right? So the first three seasons kind of followed this, well, she's a supernatural being thing. This season is much more horror-based and more like true detective. Ooh, all right, yeah, good call on that. Because there's this these are murders going on, essentially, yeah. as there are in every season. And they don't have the, well, I have superpowers and I'm going to follow this to go fix it. It's more of... What do these people do now that this thing is gone? Yeah, and it gets creepy. And it's just like with the with season three, it revolved around kind of the uh, the explosion of the malls. Like malls were a big thing during that time. With this one, in its uh, it's starting off to being the the explosion of the satanic panic that happened with <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. And just having seen that, and just the fact that again breadcrumbs like you're talking about, they lead into that as you're going into this first episode, and you're like, oh, I can see where this is going to be going, because, yeah, they're dealing with the supernatural aspect of a lot of things, but also these kids have to deal with parents that are, you know, they're real life, parents, school, and you're talking like L, like, as of this point right now, the scariest thing that she's having to deal with are the crappy California teenagers that she has to go to school with. <laughs> exactly. The tropes fit so well, because yeah. they belong in that time that we're witnessing them in and you just remember them and you're like oh yeah that's how those people acted back then players and how people would gang and form up those like stupid cliques and that kind of a thing it's yes. so great yeah and it's just like it feels like it could be like a fast times at Ridgemont High but with you know Nightmare on Elm Street and a lot of those just horror slasher flicks that you would see incorporated with D&D it's this weird amalgamation where you're like if I'm telling you this right now you're like what the hell are you talking about but again it works yeah. And it has worked. They know what they're doing, and they know what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, and their filmography is amazing. I don't even know what camera brands they're using, but they just feel better. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but the crispness of the colors and the, the way they design the sets, it, ah, I just love all of it. Yes, absolutely. Definitely check it out. Be super, uh, you know, if you haven't seen the original um, I, I really feel that you should start at the beginning to watch all of these, but do note, and Vicky, I'm mm-hmm. looking at you, with Stranger Things, this one is a lot more horror-focused, a lot gorier, and I'm, I literally have only seen the first episode. It, yeah, it doesn't hold back either. Yeah, I, I need a Thunder Buddy. <laughs> now, you don't need a Thunder Buddy for this announcement, and I know you're stoked for it because I am as well. Woo-hoo! 
HBO Max has announced that the comedy series Our Flag Means Death has been renewed for a season two. Yeah. Yep, it came three months, about three months, uh, after the show's first season finished airing this March. Um, created by David Jenkins, Our Flag Means Death stars Reese Darby and Taika Waititi as real-life pirates Steed Bonnet and Ed Teach, better known as Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the series follows Bonnet, an English aristocrat, as he abandons his family in an attempt to find himself as a pirate with his mild-mannered and gentlemanly demeanor proving to be a poor match to a life of crime. Uh, Over the course of the first season, it was just really him bumbling around, his uh, interesting group of, uh, well, his crew of of pirates who were not like-minded at all, uh, (laughs) as they basically get kind of overtaken by Blackbeard, and then uh, uh, Good Steed and uh, Mr. Ed got to uh, basically form a bond that was absolutely adorable. Like, this show was funny. It was really great. It shows actual love on different levels, just between different people and how it would work. And, uh, I mean, it's got pirates, which is amazing as well. And Taika Waititi's humor is just top level. Like, if you've seen Thor Ragnarok, if you've seen any of the other shows that he has done, um, stuff like What We Do in the Shadows or uh, I'm pretty sure he did have some involvement with Flight of the Concords. I think so. Or at least it was still a New Zealand-based thing. Like, super great, super funny. Uh, I love it. It's one of those ones where I don't know if I can go ba- if I would go back and watch it because there's just so much television right now. But it's uh, it's just it's it's fantastic. It's, some of the cameos in the first season. Oh my god, are so amazing. <laughs> Even BJ was watching and he was digging it too. Yeah, there's like, and most of the critics really did give it a, a, a positive review. Um, Variety chief critic Caroline Frumke wrote that the most interesting thing about Our Flag Means Death, if also what might disappoint fans hoping for something more patently ridiculous, it becomes how it ends up being more gently introspective than outright funny in its hunt for comic treasure. And that's one of those things. It makes you think about stuff. It makes you think about, well, love on the open seas. Like, and even just dealing with uh, family. And when watching it, I felt that the penultimate episode would have been a good way to kind of end a season. Mm -hmm. And then they bring it all together for one more episode. And I was like, I don't know how you guys are doing this, but it's so freaking good. And it just, it's sweet. It's sweet. And I love the fact that it's not 100% like when you watch like a Pirates of the Caribbean, for example, everyone has the British accent. Everyone's very close to uh, that time period. And in this, you they're speaking. A lot of the characters are like, here, fist bump. Let me speak in an American accent. Let me <laughs> speak in like 2020 vernacular. Like it, it, it just makes it that much funnier. Some of the uh, and super just I know just like talking even about like some of the cameos. It's like Leslie Jones is amazing as it. Fred Armisen is super great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Kroll, Will Arnett. And this is just some of them. There yeah. are so many more. Is it Chris, Kristen Shawl? Yes, yeah. Kristen Shawl's in it she as was well. Freaking awesome. And uh, if you love Hodor. He's in it as oh. Wee John. Kristen Nairn is a Wee John, which is like I just the whole crew is just fantastic in their own special ways. Like I I absolutely adore this show. And to answer your question, Taika Waititi actually wrote two and directed four of the episodes in Flight of the Concords. Oh, nice. So okay. he was a part of it. And it, a lot. If I'm just I've never seen Flight of the Concords. I've he- heard of it, and a lot of people that were in this are in our flag means death. Yeah, like from yeah. Kristen Shaw. Um, 
like Rise uh, Reese 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 yeah. Darby. Yeah, Reese Darby is the manager for the mm-hmm. band in our Flight of the Concords. So you get to see him being an idiot in that, mm-hmm. and he pretty much is an idiot in this one. You feel like he would be like, like, yeah, this is like what a middle manager would be like in the pirate times. <laughs> But yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's on HBO Max. Go watch it or um, go walk the plank. Now, moving on from that, we did get a official Disney streaming date for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. All right. If you were uh, whelmed by it and uh, maybe you just heard our response to it, uh, or maybe you want to go through and watch all of the Easter eggs and kind of start picking through different things, or maybe you just want to see Pizza Papa again, you can do so <laughs> starting <laughs> June 2nd. <clears throat> Uh, actually, no, sorry. Announced June 2nd because that was uh, a couple days ago. I was like, it's already out? No. It looks like Marvel has set June 22nd as the date of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness that it will be streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus. Obviously makes sense on all of that. So uh, it's getting pretty close to that as well. Oh, something else is coming, isn't it? Uh, tomorrow. What's that? Uh, something you actually told me about that I've been wanting to go to the theater, but I haven't found time to go to an actual theater. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Everything, buddy. everywhere, all at once is coming to streaming tomorrow, the yes. 7th. Yes. That is perfect uh, because now it gives you a chance to watch it. I really want to watch it. Yes. Uh, it did get a pretty limited release in uh, uh, in theaters, and I was kind of sad because a lot of the times I'll go to IMAX or like the RPX, which is the enhanced audio and visual uh, theaters that go with that. It was in a side theater that was kind of small. Mm-hmm. The sound wasn't fantastic, so I'm excited to watch everything everywhere all at once with my own sound system at home. Um, But now you can go finally watch it, and you can get my references that Mm -hmm. I make, and you just kind of look at me like I'm weird. So just a heads up on where to watch it. It's not going to be like Netflix free. So it can be purchased, including pre-ordering on Apple TV, Prime Video, Google Play, YouTube, Vudu, Microsoft, Redbox, AMC, Theaters on Demand. Xfinity, DirecTV, Frontier, Verizon, iTunes, and Kaleidoscape. Um, But if Mm. you do get it through Apple TV, in addition to the movie, you'll get an exclusive eight-minute blooper reel. Really? So I might actually sign up for Apple TV for the free month just Uh, to do that. Yeah, I would do that as well because there are so many things in that movie that if there's a blooper... If there's a the blooper, blooper reel is going to be ridiculous. There's so. going to be, I know, I'm just going to be getting like Facebook messages from Vicky of just watching like the blooper. She's like, oh my God, that's a thing. Oh my God, that's a thing. <laughs> or just like the movie itself because there are very ridiculous things that go on with this movie. Oh, yeah. And if you don't know anything about everything, everywhere, all at once, it's kind of a better multiverse movie than Doctor Strange. I believe it. It's one woman's journey to, uh, and it's very much a family journey, um, but also kind of like to unlock her true potential as being Mm -hmm. a person who kind of didn't have, you know, didn't make the best choices, didn't really do a whole lot with her life, and then realizing that the reason why all of her other multiverses were able to kind of branch out was because her as like, it was almost like she's like the stable center of like not ever finishing anything. And so mm. she learns through, uh, through reasons how to tap into her ultimate, her other multiverse, ult- multiversal 
iterations or variants and mm-hmm. uh, learn those skills as they're going through. I'm just going to steal the MCU version of that I because like it. it works the best. Um, but it's absolutely insane. I think it's something that you need to watch multiple times. Okay. And uh, absolutely 100% worth it. So since it's streaming, you got to go watch it now. Uh, and well, this is actually part of our new... Uh, right. This is our new <laughs> thing Rev and I are doing. It is a game where I pick a movie he's never seen before. He gets to watch it and he picks a movie. And this is the movie he picked for me. So after I watch this movie, I get to pick another one for you. What? I know. I already watched the one. No, we're going to keep doing that. You get oh. to pick one for me. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, we could pick one at the same time. Like once I finish mine, I feel like we can both pick one. And yeah. Then we think, don't get yeah. to pick another one until we watch the one that was suggested. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And if anybody out there has any suggestions for us as well, we can kind of throw them back and forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that we both each have a long list of the movies because everyone, every once in a while we're like, you haven't seen that? Mm-hmm. Nope. You need to see it. And now we've got a challenge set up for ourselves. I know. I'm thinking maybe The Emperor's New Groove, but I think there was another one I wanted you to watch. Oh, I've got to think goodness. about it. It's All so right. ridiculous. These are just going to be a bunch of Disney movies, Groovy. aren't they? I mean, at least the beginning. <laughs> oh, fine. Well, stick around, Vicky, because now it's time for... The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got for us? So, you know, I love, like, just useless, random trivia and facts. Oh, and yeah, you do. I'll go in. <laughs> when I'm watching a new movie or a show, I am... I will be on my phone, but it's more or less to see, like, okay, what has this actor been in? What is some random trivia of this episode? And Especially some, if it's out before a while. I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't know this episode was influenced by this. So. And sometimes it kind of drives you nuts when you're watching somebody and you're like, I recognized you from somewhere. And it's just for my own peace of mind mm-hmm. and get me back into the show. Like, I've got to do that or else it's just going to eat at me. And Or even, like, when I'm watching a show like Archer, when they make all these different references, <laughs> and I don't get them. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, easy, uh, was it Al Needham? And I'm like, who the hell is Al Needham? So I have to go in and research it. Like, I don't I don't know who these people are. I don't know what this is. I don't know what Al Needham is. I think it's a person. I forget what it was. Oh, okay. I know I did the research <laughs> when in the moment, but then he said something else that I looked up. I don't remember. All right. Anywho, uh, Ranker came out with 12, 12, 20 small but important details fans shared about 90s blockbusters that are blast from the past. And it, it got me when I read the first one. So Men in Black, we've all seen it, right? The first one, original 1997. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the little weird smoking alien dudes? All like, the like, yeah, uh, yeah. the little like shrimps or worms. the prawns or yeah. whatever. The were, the, were they worms or they prawns? I don't remember. Something. But yeah. Like that. So when they talk to each other, they speak a certain language that we saw in a different movie. Really? Uh, I'll give you a clue. The language they speak together, it's called Hatis. What? From Star Wars? For language Jabba the Hutt speaks. They speak Star Wars? They speak, they speak Hatties? Yeah. What? That's weird. That's awesome. It kind of... Oh, go ahead. I was say, I wonder if they learned it from watching the movies. Like, that's kind of like a cool little fun thing they threw in there. Like, they worms watched the movies or whatever and they or, liked it. Or they're... <laughs> I mean, does that make Men in Black in the Star Wars universe? Like, well, also with E.T. Like, because we saw the well, E.T.s yeah, yeah, in the Star the Wars ET universe. Is, yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Interesting. Actually, that is super neat. It's probably an Easter egg, but you know yeah. what? I still think it's super cool. Yeah, but I didn't know that until now. Yeah, like, I had and, no idea. And I know all this useless trivia about movies and <laughs> I shows. I didn't know they had their own language. I thought it was just the Hut language. <laughs> okay, just, I thought it was just him like, rah. Huttian. <laughs> okay, so this is a movie. When I was younger, uh, there were times where my parents were like, we're done watching Barney. We're done watching The Little Mermaid. So we're going to watch what we want to watch. And I saw movies that I probably shouldn't have seen. Yep. And movies that I ended up really liking as a kid, but then there was parts where I'm like, I don't like this. Okay. Like the movie Ghost. I always thought, I love the clay scene, like when they're making the clay. Oh, not because it was like romantic or anything, but I'm like, I kind of want to learn how to do that. So my crafting, you know, itch started oh, yeah. young. 
Now, let me guess the part you didn't like, the little shadow demons. Yes, at yeah. the very end. No, yeah, I knew no, all the little shadow no, demons no. that uh, like grabbed the dude and dragged him away. Like yeah, they I dragged that, him to hell. Like, yeah, basically. I knew that was the thing that would totally freak you out. Well, apparently, I had no idea, but the horrifying sounds that those shadow demons were making mm-hmm. were actually the sounds of baby cries played backwards at an extremely slow speed. Yeah. That is awful. You know what? Like, the people very who, smart, but awful. The people who work sound stuff like are amazing because you don't understand like w- the work that goes into that. We've had a chance to see like Foley artists in mm-hmm. action and that's super cool, but just like creating like the different sounds of animals or, or just any sound effect as they're going through it, it's just like, wow, it's like, oh, it was this, 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 and this. And I'm like, and that's what you decided it to be? Especially for things that like we've never heard of, like dinosaurs and yep. stuff. Yep. Or even like, I think that was it Tornadoes? Mm-hmm. For the Twister movie, it wasn't like the sound of like pigs or something and some it other stuff. It was something really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't know why you decided to do that, but it's also absolutely terrifying. Yeah, I heard it sounds like a freight train like hits a bunch of like pigs or something or cows. Like the noise oh, is just ridiculous. Geez. Like if you've ever heard a tornado in real life, I've never have. Nope. So I don't know. I hope not to, to be perfectly honest. No, I mean, I've, I've been in a dust devil, but that was teeny tiny and it was fun. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anywho, random fact, random dumb thing I thought about the other day. Uh, we've all seen Independence Day, right? 1996 classic Will, F- Will Smith movie? I would hope so. Joe? Mm. Oh, of course. Okay. okay, okay. I didn't say. watch the new one. No, uh, I didn't no, either. I haven't either. So, I mean, good this, for us. This is yeah. all about the 90s one. Yep. So do you remember the part where Will Smith is dragging this alien around like a parachute across like the salt flats of yeah, Utah? He's in the par- yeah, he's dragging him in the parachute. Yeah. Well, the whole line where he's like, and what the hell is that smell? You were thinking he means the aliens. That was completely improvised because nobody warned him that sometimes the Great Lake, due to billions of dead brine shrimp, just stink. Ah. So while they're there filming, it just this awful stink from the dead brine shrimp come up. And he's like, what in the hell is that smell? That's terrible. I didn't know that... Sea monkey corpses smell bad. But they uh, they kept it in the movie, and I, I think it's pretty funny. It was a funny moment in yeah. like, that weird, tense situation. Yeah, it's super funny at that point in time, because you do think he's talking about the aliens, so mm-hmm. that works. It's hilarious. He's monologuing about the aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. stupid alien around the desert. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> so this is a pretty fun piece of uh, trivia or fact or whatever. Uh, in Terminator 2 Judgment Day 1991, an actor with amputated limbs was actually used for the scene where the T-1000 loses his arm and foot. Oh. So I, oh, that makes like sense. So yeah, yeah. Like yeah. when he was like yeah. breaking apart and that sort of stuff. Well, I just would have assumed it was CGI. Granted, it's 1999. But when it well, comes to any of that, you think green screen or anything. You don't yeah. really think of the practical well, effects ways. And I mean, and that's like when they did uh, Gary Sinise as Lieutenant Dan in uh, Forrest Gump. They green, they basically, he wore green screen socks. So they had to work around, like when he's like kind of like shifting around and doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. He's, I mean, Gary Sinise still has his leg. So he's still doing all of that stuff, but they just have green screen socks. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you like really pay a lot of attention, mm-hmm. you can see that there's certain spaces where things like when he's got to move around, mm-hmm. things aren't just there so he can do all that stuff. Right. And it's, movie magic is really cool a lot of the times. Uh, Do you guys watch Toy Story 2? Probably. I honestly, I, think I, I didn't watch Toy Story 3, so I definitely yes. did watch Toy Story 2. So I personally like Toy Story 2 better than the first one. That's <laughs> the one where they introduce Woody's love interest, right? The other yeah. cowgirl she, chick. She actually ends up becoming like Buzz's love interest. Really? Yeah. Oh. But that was his like partner in like the old TV show, right? Okay. Um, so in Toy Story 2, what ends up happening is that he gets bought by accident by a collector 
and he like steals him from the yard sale because Woody ends up in a yard sale accidentally. Yeah. And this guy, who I think was actually voiced by, oh my God, not Jason Alexander, the other one, Newman. Uh, oh, Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight. Yeah. I believe he's voiced by Wayne Knight, and that'll be relevant for another thing in a moment. Um, <laughs> but when he's talking on the phone with a Japanese buyer, like there's a Japanese, Japanese museum that wants the whole set of toys. So he's talking to him and he says, don't touch my mustache. This is a him actually mispronouncing dotashi mashti. Basically similar to saying don't touch my mustache. It sounds like it. Oh. He mispronounced you're welcome in Japanese. <laughs> don't and I was touch just like, like, when I was a little kid, I'm like, why is he saying don't touch my mustache? <laughs> I'm, like, he's oh. I'm like, I don't get it. But okay. Don't touch my mustache. <laughs> uh, but uh, going back to when I said about Wayne Knight... There is a mistake, non-mistake, in the Lost World Jurassic Park. Okay. And I never caught this. So in the second Jurassic Park movie in 1997, Malcolm, who argues with Hammond, who was the creator of Jurassic Mm -hmm. Park, about uh, playing down the deaths of three people, even though four people died in the original film. And this is because no one knew what actually happened to Dennis uh, Nedry, which is played by yeah. Wayne Knight. Yeah, because, I mean, he ran off, and they figured he just got away. Right, of he course, just left. he ended up getting spit on the face by the what the Dilapialosaurus or whatever, where the, the cute little one that spits acid in people's faces. So it was one of those ones where, yeah, that actually makes sense. They because figured it out. Yeah, and everyone's like, well, that's a plot hole, and you're like, no, no they just no. didn't know. Exactly. Although they did make a mistake. What? So the mosquito mistake, the mosquito in the amber, which was like a mm-hmm. big sign, a big pivotal thing. The insect trapped in amber is called, and actually it's an elephant mosquito. The only mosquito that doesn't suck blood. <laughs> Therefore, oh. it could not contain any dino <laughs> DNA. And I think they used it because it's so big. Yeah. It yeah, makes sense. Yeah. But. I mean, wah, and wah. again, yeah, it's like movies. It's like, uh, let's not get truth in the way of a good story. No, it's a steroided up mosquito. It's not that one. It's a different one. <laughs> so beefy. That's right. Uh, so this is kind of funny. Uh, everyone's talking about Tom Cruise lately, especially with uh, you know Top Gun Maverick and everything. But mm-hmm. this is going back to one of his other very famous movie franchises. And this is Mission Impossible. Not just anyone. The very first one that came out in 96. Okay. The very famous, doesn't matter if you've never seen the movie, you know this scene because it has been spoofed a million times. It's the vault scene where he gets dropped and he has to do the like, uh, yeah. cover inches over the floor, can't touch the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he uh, has to like grab his, grab his little thing of uh, sweat <laughs> and yeah, just like, like with his palm. Just, I, oh my God. I know, like, right? You're just like the flashbacks right now. <laughs> but apparently while filming, he kept hitting his head when attempting to hover inches over the floor. Oh! So apparently they had to put English pound coins in his shoes so he can maintain his balance. That's interesting. That's kind of funny. Like, I mean, because yeah, because he hits down and then he would tilt forward and right. heavy bonk. Oh. Because one Ow. thing, one thing I noticed if you watch old school movies, like I think it was like a Peter Pan or I think even like in a Superman, whatever. When anybody's flying, they always do like a weird number four, like their legs turn into a number four. Yeah, and that's to keep their balance when they're on a wire that's connected to their waist. So that oh, makes sense. I like, didn't know that. Well, I just thought it was just a thing you did just because it looks cool. And I, I kind of figured that out when I was a kid because I'm like, if you have a wire like holding on to like your lower back you're gonna tilt forward if you're trying to fly i've never had that so i would never know i don't don't know i just kind of watched them once like before they did it and they tilted forward i'm like oh and then they do this like to keep the balance and so that makes sense your body naturally wants to go forward when you're kind of dangling flat damn i don't know just weird crap i think of because my brain never turns off right um in the music or excuse me in the uh star wars the phantom menace 
Apparently, the music foreshadows future events in Star in Star Wars, and that's in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace that came out in 1999. The parade music from the finale is the same melody as the Emperor's theme from Return of the Jedi, Whoops. just in a major key and a higher tempo. This subtly indicates that Palpatine is the one who truly comes out on top by the end of the film. Damn. Yeah, his whole plot was to just blow up the uh, droid federation people or whatever. Yeah. Whose name I can't remember, of course, now. Right, exactly. But it was that whole thing. It was just like, even if you're like watching stuff like Clone Wars, um, it's it's very apparent at that point where it's just he's pitting these two forces against each other so they'll wipe each other out. Uh, and also, like, basically just using all of the uh, uh, all of the resources of uh, of the Galactic Senate in order to deplete them so he can turn it into the Empire while also getting rid of the Jedi. I mean, it's utterly brilliant and <clears throat> one of those things that is absolutely pivotal for the entire uh, entire Star Wars universe. And one more, if uh, you have the Disney Plus, you can watch uh, The Lion King, the OG one that came out in 1994. Just can't wait to be king. Right? So... The part where everyone remembers when Mufasa's talking to uh, Simba, like, you know, hey, this is your land, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. If you go to nine minutes and 16 seconds right as Mufasa says the word you in the line and it will rise with you as the new king, it only lasts for one frame. But you can see the number 45, which is the number of uh, the frame. Okay. Like they forgot to erase it. Oh. Because <laughs> back then, children... Back then, they didn't have computers and stuff to do all these movies. <laughs> they actually had to draw them frame by frame. Yes. So they forgot to erase number 45. That's that's so funny. <laughs> it's so random. Right? Like, I, like if you can pause it right at 916. I love that. But uh, if you guys want to see the rest of these or just take a look for yourself, I will be posting this on our Facebook page. And if you're not following it already, what, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, right. Uh, and until next time, guys, stay nerdy. <laughs> <laughs>